It's Saturday morning at 10 a.m., so you know what that means. It's time for What's Up, Ocala? With tens of thousands of viewers every month on our YouTube channel and millions so far on TikTok, we are joined by our host, local owner and broker of Great Expectations Realty, Andrea Praber. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Andrea Praber, and today we have a very special guest. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? Yes. Well, I'm Jimmy Cowan. I'm the Marion County Property Appraiser. Um, this is my 32nd year at that office. Um, I was elected in 2021 as the property appraiser. And you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. They're good people. <laughs> you do. Okay, so one of the biggest questions right now, of course, is taxes. Taxes have gone up. Prior to this, Marion County was one of the few places where taxes have gone down with the values of the home. I mean, and that's unheard of. Like we, we tell people, oh yeah, they're all like, oh, well, taxes will never go down. No, actually I've seen it. I've seen it during the recession, uh, 2000, what was it? 2010? Well, they, be 2009, 2009 10, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a, a big tax decrease actually because the home values uh, went down and all of that. And uh, so no, I have actually seen them. So right now, Values went up over the last few years considerably. I think Marion County is still still way less in taxes than other locations. It, it can be. Um, one of the things with this, first of all, your, your appraisal date is January 1 every single year. So that's your key date for everything, whether you're filing homestead, adding an addition, moving in, whatever the case may be, that January 1st is a big date. Um, mm -hmm. So that's our appraisal date across the all of Florida, all 67 counties is January 1st. Um, what happens is, for instance, if we're looking at 2023's tax roll, the appraisal date is January 1st, 2023, which means we used all the sales that occurred from January 1st, 2022 to December 31st of 2022 to value the 23's tax roll. Ouch. That was, okay. a, that was a painful year. Right. And so the last three years, values have been way up as far as what the sales are in Marion County. So they've gone up and, and people are saying now, well, the interest rates went flying up and and the sales that are happening right now are down. They're down some, but they're still up. Yeah. Um, so basically one is, what ends up happening is when the previous year sales have increased from the previous year, then we have to go by what the values of the sales are and come up with the median value of what's happening in that area. Um, the big reset that's happening right now is the Save Our Homes. Save Our Homes is a limitation that was actually voted on in 1992, put in effect 94 for the 95 tax roll. Um, what it did is it limited the amount of increase that can be put on an assessed value, not the market value of a property, but the assessed value of a, of a piece of property that had homestead in a year's time. And that limitation was 3% or the consumer price index, whichever was lower that year. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is your market value can increase whatever the sales from the previous year dictate, but your assessed value can only gradually go up which sounds good up until you sell. And then the new buyer does not, especially if they're coming from out of state. Or a first-time home buyer. Or first-time home buyer, bless their hearts. Or they haven't had homestead in the last three years. Oh, I didn't know that one. That one's a new one. See, I always learn stuff when you come in here. I always learn stuff. Um, so what happens then? And this is, please, if you're a real estate agent out there, please listen to this because you need to explain this to people, okay? A lot of the calls that we're fielding are, our real estate agent didn't tell us this. And our phones have been ringing off the hook, not only during trim time, but now the tax bills have gone out. Um, and realistically, 
the best thing for anybody to do when they're buying a house is not only get what the taxes are currently, but what will they be next year? Two years out, basically. Because what ends up happening, let's say I buy a property from you that you've lived there for the last three years or longer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Values have increased and you've had homestead on the property. So if I buy it in the middle of the year, I could have $100,000 holdback from you that I'm getting the benefit of my first year I pay taxes, which makes my tax bill very low. Mm-hmm. It resets because now I'm a new home buyer, haven't had homestead in the last three years, um, come from out of state, or I could come from another home anywhere in the state of Florida with less portability or saver homes than what you had on record, and my taxes can go up in the second year. So I get the benefit of it the first year and that November tax bill when it comes out because I bought in the middle of the year and you were living in the property as of January 1 and had homestead on it. The next year it resets. Even if I file for homestead, the $50,000 exemption, and we'll say that's what somebody's getting, they basically cancel each other out. But that saver homes can be a bigger benefit to the previous owner basically than what the homestead was itself. Now I'm going to tell you the truth and this is going to be painful. Um, but most real estate agents can't math. They can't math. They don't want to math. How, how would you explain somebody that maths all day long, every day, and you live in it and swim in it? That's great. How would you, uh, ask them to do this? How, what is the easiest and simplest way for them to do that two year estimate of what, what they think that the taxes are going to be. And of course, we're not asking them to foretell the future, but at least give an idea, an estimate. Where would they find that information or how would they find that information easily? That's a good question. First of all, when we start to value properties, say in January, and start to put values on the, for for this right now, we're working on 2024's tax roll now. We just opened it up and we'll start doing a lot of stuff around January, February. We have no clue, number one, (laughs) what the the tax rate's going to be. good. So if we were to give you an estimate at that point in time, we would have to use the tax rate from the year before. Right. We'd have to use the non-avalorms from the year before because we have no no idea what the county commissioners are going to vote on, what the budgets are going to be. What we'd have to do, for instance, if in a taxing jurisdiction, let's say it was $15.73 per thousand mm-hmm. this year, we'd have to estimate that to be the tax rate next year. But okay. the big difference is, is even if values didn't change, even if they stayed stagnant and stayed the same, chances are someone's going to get an increase because they're a first-time home buyer, haven't had homestead before, whatever the case may be, or haven't had it in the last three years. With portability, you have a three-year time frame that you can actually port that saver home from another property to the new property. It was two years previously, but the legislature changed it to three now. And I've seen people come in and literally lose it by one month or a couple of days because it was a two-year time period. And I'm sure the same thing will happen with the three years. So no matter where you draw the line in the sand, it's going to affect somebody. Right. So that is a huge, huge thing. If you have homestead exemption in another area, or even if you're, especially if you're in Marion County. So if you're selling your home and you're purchasing another home, you can port over. Which is really where the big tax hikes are coming from. Um, and the way, the way portability works is if you had, say, we'll use $100,000. If you had $100,000 saver homes holdback that you were shielded on paying taxes on, and let's say your home was worth $400,000, and you decide to downsize, if you go to a lower-valued home, you take the percentage, in this case, $100,000 to $400,000 would be 25%. You could take that 25% 
to the new home when you file homestead. If you went to a higher value property, it only has to be $1 more, so $400,001, you take the entire $100,000 with you to the new property. That's fantastic. So, so where the other discrepancy will become, let's say that I buy a house from you and you had $100,000 hold back on your property, and I buy a property and I had like $25,000 hold back on my property, now there's a $75,000 difference. And of course, that $75,000 is more than the $50,000 homestead that you're savings. And, but you have to have the $50,000 homestead to get the portability because it's a homestead properties that it deals with. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, years ago, um, before portability came about, there was just save our home. So when people would sell, they would see an increase. Now, because the values have increased so greatly in the last three years um, to the point where something it was selling for sixty or $70,000, selling for $300,000 now. Um, it's, you know, more than three times the value that was before. The increase in them taxes are a lot. So when you look at the tax rate itself, the tax rate really has not gone up that much. Values have. True. Now, the property appraiser looks at the previous year's recorded sales. We, we don't go out there and just say, hey, that's going to be 300000 We look at what's happening in the market and have to interpret what happens in the market. So we're looking at every sale, not just realtor sales, sell by owner. Um, we have to figure out whether they're a qualified sell or an unqualified sell. We, we basically will call the owner or the seller and find out, you know, what transpired in this transaction. Was it an arm's length transaction? I mean, sometimes you'll find where it wasn't on the market. It was sell, sold to just one person. So that's not a, not a arm's length transaction because it's got to be on the market for anybody to see, for a knowledgeable buyer, knowledgeable seller, no form of duress. And there could be a point where you buy a house that has a boat and a golf cart involved in the sale and we don't know the value of that boat or the golf cart we have to unqualify it because that shouldn't be dock stamped and um basically it could inflate the value of that property right that happens so often in in real estate and i can't tell you how many times i've told my agents you know we don't sell furniture we don't sell cars we don't sell any of that we just sell the house so if any of that stuff is going with it it doesn't even belong on the real estate contract that's a separate thing entirely between the buyer and the seller it has nothing to do with us because you don't want to mess with like the loan or you don't want to you know the the mortgage doesn't have anything to do with a golf cart they they don't want to see that on there anyway. So yeah, you, you know, when, when everything goes to be recorded, that information is not going to be on there, but the terms of the contract, um, may reflect that, that information. So, um, really the buyer and the seller, maybe their real estate agents are the only ones that are going to know what exactly verbally transpired or, you know, what yard sale items that went with the pool or whatever uh, in order to have that different value, especially if they're doing a cash transaction, then it's just, it, it could be anything and everything. So we, we saw a lot of those. We've seen a lot of cash transactions over the last few years because we had so many people coming from other states that were selling their homes there, had a, a, a large value, a, a lot of equity in their home, and they would come down here and just purchase cash with just that equity alone. So we've seen that. But we're also seeing a lot of new home construction over the last few years. And new home construction has its own tax implications. I'm sure you're hearing all about that. <laughs> well, we, we um, are one of the fastest growing counties. Mm-hmm. Um, for 2022, we put on 4,018 new homes in Marion County. For 2023, we put 5,256 new homes on. Wow. And about 130, 140 new commercial. Wow. Um, right now, I checked the other day, and I haven't checked in in about a week or two. 
um, we've already put on for 2024's tax roll about 3,400 homes. Wow. And there's we still have until December 31st for all them COs or finals to come in. Um, so I'm thinking it's going to be close to another 5,000 wow. year. Um, you know, you get counties, you know, talking to my other colleagues in other counties that are property appraisers. Some of them are built out. They can't, unless they knock a house down and rebuild on it, they're not seeing a lot of new construction. We are. Now, out of the new construction that we seen last year, I went through basically and found out where is the majority of this construction and where would you think it would be? Southwest. You're exactly correct. You know what percentage of the 5,256 homes we put on were? I'd say probably a good 75%. You're close, but it's 60%. Oh, I was off. 60% of the new construction is in the Southwest corridor of Marion County. Yeah. That's a lot of questions are involved and it's not all in Marion Oaks y'all. Okay. Seriously. It's it. Everybody says, oh, Marion Oaks, Marion Oaks. No, it's actually, there's quite a bit just north of that going up along uh, 49th Avenue Road and yep. all of that. And that my is house will be insane. one of them. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so um, there's a lot of construction going on there. There's a house behind me, a house across the street from mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of new construction in the Southwest Corridor. Um, kind of funny, my, my 11-year-old and I were going to Walmart, mm-hmm. and we took the back roads through Marion Oaks to go to 484, and we counted just what we could see. 85 new homes under construction. 85. You were just sitting there counting. And that's just new units homes. seven and 10 of Marion Oaks. Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of it is in Marion Oaks. There's a lot of Marion say. Oaks. There's a lot <laughs> in Silver Spring Shores, but the majority of, you know, Silver Spring Shores, Southeast, it's not Southwest, but there's a lot of new, new buildings going up in the areas. So one of the questions that we get a lot is where do the taxes that they're paying, their homestead, ta- or their, not the homestead, but the, the property taxes, what does that go to? Where does their money go? Well, if you if you look at, say, your trim notice or even your tax bill, the millage is broken down to certain things like fine and forfeiture, which is jails, um, general fund, which takes care of stuff, there's school board. And the thing is right now, the school board's about $6.49 per thousand and re- across any taxing jurisdiction that you're in. Um, basically, and everybody pays the school tax, um, the first $25,000 where the value is totally exempt. And when people voted to double the homestead, there's a little misconception. And I heard this on Facebook too. If you're married, you get 50,000. If you're not married, you get 25. That's not true. Um, it goes by their value. Um, in order to get all of the $50,000, you have to have at least $75,000 of assessed value, not market, but assessed value. So basically the first 25,000, like I said, from $1 to $25,000 where the value is totally exempt, whatever the tax rate is in that area. So if it was $16 per thousand, you're being exempt on the entire $16 per thousand. Then from $25,001 up to $50,000 is taxable. Gotcha. From $50,001 up to $75,000 is where the second homestead kicks in. But on that portion of it, you're exempt from everything but the school tax rate which, like I said, was $6.49 per thousand in every taxing jurisdiction. Okay. Well, since you're bringing up schools, uh, I have heard that they are considering um, bringing back the, um, oh, now I'm going to forget what it's called. Impact um, fees. Thank you. The impact fees. How can I forget the impact fees? Uh, because we do need, especially in that Southwest corridor with a lot of growth, uh, we need more schools and we need to add on to the schools that we have right now. Um, because there's so many homes coming in and they are in areas where um, it's not 55 plus. So these are going to be 
all ages, which means kids. So we're adding homes, we're adding children to the school district, but we haven't added any schools. Um, that's on that's slated. We're going to be adding schools, but that is something we're going to need to pay for. Uh, so, you know, that is something that may come into effect for those new construction as well, correct? Yeah, they're in talks with that right now. Of course, us as the property appraiser's office, we don't really vote on anything. So we have no no control either way on that. Right. Um, they have asked for information. We have supplied them with the information that we have. Um, one of the things we're looking at is, is bedroom, bathroom count and multifamily, things of that nature. We have that information, but we don't have it in a format that it can be easily pulled because ours is for mass appraisal purposes. Now, we might have to write a program to put certain boxes in there so it's formatted exactly the same way to pull that information. Um, we haven't had a need for that before. Um, we do, um, one of the approaches to valuation is the income approach. So we look at, say, a one one's renting for this much money, a two one's renting for this much, a two two's renting for this much. So them rents make a difference on what the potential gross income is on, say, an apartment building. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's a whole formula you go through for the income approach. Um, and all that is taken into consideration. We have to know how many units and stuff. So we do have it in our notes. We do have it done a certain way. But to pull it, you know, to say, okay, this is how many bedroom bathrooms we have in the city or in the county or whatever the case may be, is a little bit harder. Somebody would have to spend some time programming something either outside our office if somebody was doing, wanting to do it to, to transfer that information to a way they can use it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's all the questions I ha I think that's all the questions I have. I probably could have you like sit here all day and just answer questions about the taxes, um, but I'm pretty sure that everybody is getting that already at your office. Um, I think we pretty much hit the probably the frequently asked questions that everybody that comes in or calls into your office. Those are the questions they ask, and definitely one of the complaints is my realtor never told me, y'all. If you are real estate agents listening to this, please help help them out, okay? Uh, the tax, the property appraiser's office is not your enemy, okay? We have had such a great relationship over the years. They are so helpful and so incredible with answering questions and they're so kind and everything. Ask, just ask the questions before it gets to um, Karen levels, okay? Like, you don't want to have to have that um, that upset customer because they just weren't informed before the fact or they weren't aware of the portability and it's something that so easily could have been fixed or, or done beforehand. So please, please, please get that information out there as much as possible and definitely share um, the QR code that we're going to put up uh, as much as possible. We'll try and get that up on Facebook and stuff as well and see if we can help help you guys out so you don't get yelled at about the realtors <laughs> quite as often yeah. one of the things that i would i would definitely say is not just your realtors but the buyers mm -hmm. basically um we're more than happy if you call our office for, for not only just to tell you what the taxes are currently what would they be next year definitely i mean we may not be able to give you an exact number yeah but if it's a huge reset from the save our homes or you know it's you're going to know what to bank on next year roughly um, that, hey, I, I need to put more money aside. And, and my son was in the same same boat, you know, basically with a new construction house because he didn't really know. And I'll tell you, it, it, with my home, I did my due diligence when I was building my home. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and took took the plans to my director and said, hey, do me a favor, sketch this on, give me an idea what the value is going to be. Well, that took 18 months for me to build my house. So within an 18-month time period, sales had gone up even more. 
So what I thought was going to be, say, $4,000 is now $6,000 in taxes on my own home. Mm-hmm. But I did my due diligence, mm-hmm. you know. But, again, I don't know what the values will be the following year. So the only thing we can base it on is maybe your your, your selling price, um, you know, because we just don't know. There's some unknowns, but you'll get an idea that, hey, this reset's going to happen from your market and your right. assessed. Um, it is going to go up. We don't know how much, but it is going to go up and probably X amount of dollars or roughly this much money will give you a good idea. So I would I would tell anybody buying a house or looking at a house, if, if it's a factor of the taxes, I can afford the taxes or I can't afford the taxes, definitely do your due diligence because we've had a lot of criers calling, <laughs> crying, saying I'm going to have to sell this house because I can't afford the taxes. Yeah, and that that is definitely something. So we, we have seen that those um, – those values are coming down. So using your crystal ball that you don't have, uh, (laughs) are you, what are you looking at as far as the following year's taxes? Are you thinking that they're actually going to be coming down again? Actually, I did a presentation in on top of the world the other night. Oh, I'm sure it was very popular over there for that. And, um, basically what I did is I did 2020, 2021, 2022 and 10 months of 2023. Okay. And between 2022 and the 10 months of 2023, there was an upward trend of about $20 per square foot. So oh, it was sure like $100, $170 on the median value sale price in there. And, and it was just to pull all the sales and get this, get this number. So we didn't go even deeper into the woods like we usually do. But it was just showing the numbers of there was 500 and some odd sales the first year, 700 and something the second year again, back up to 700 the next year. And we already had 500 and something for the first 10 months, but it was a $20 increase over last year. So you hear interest rates went up, sales sales were going down, but that's not the case in a lot of places. Wow. Well, especially on top of the world. You know, and anybody can look at this. If if you, if you go on our website, you can actually do a parcel range of your subdivision and put the beginning parcel account number, all zeros, beginning parcel number, part of it, and all nine. So you get every lot and block within that subdivision and it'll tell you what has sold and you can put your date ranges and you can see from year to year, basically what, what's happening in there. Oh man, that was worth you coming in just for that alone. I'm, I'm like, really? I did not know that. And I play in the property appraisers website literally multiple times a day. Um, just because every time I go in there, it feels like I learn something new or I see something new or I, I can do something different. Um, but yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's and really another thing that we touched on that we probably didn't go far enough into was the online filing. You can file online, of course, your homestead, you can file online your tangible personal property. So if you own a business, um, anything you can pick up and move, if you left that unit or whatever, is tangible personal property that's being used within the business. By simply filing, you get a $25,000 exemption. Hmm. If you do not file a tangible return, they're still gonna, you're still going to get a tax bill on it, but you're going to get a 25% penalty on the tax, plus you're not going to have the $25,000 exemption. So you're going to see a big increase if you do not file. We historically, even when Billy was property appraiser and when Rudy was property appraiser, when I've worked for both of them, and now myself being the property appraiser, we allow people to pre-apply. So if you had somebody that closed today and you went to the closing table with them and you said, hey, look, go file your homestead. Um, they can come in that day and bring in that Lord, I call it a dummy deed because it's not recorded yet, but right. it's, it's a real deed, but it's right. just not. Re- but as long as we have the parcel number, the address, whatever the case may be, where we can identify that property, 
um, they can come in and pre-apply. What they need to have with them would be a Florida driver's license for each owner, Florida vehicle registration for each owner, know their social security numbers, and if the registered to vote, it has to be Marion County. If there's other things they may qualify, like disability or veterans, they would need to bring that paperwork to, and I would tell you to call ahead before you come to make sure you have that paperwork with you. Um, but you can do it online. You can actually do it online, and we have an app. You can do it on the app if you're, you have the app on your phone. Um, so there's a couple <laughs> different ways to do it. Um, we do allow people to pre-apply, which, you know, basically years back, I asked one of, one of our, was our homestead director for a long time. I said, when you started working here over 30 years ago, how many homestead applications will we be taking a year? And she said about 3,500. We're about 13 or 14,000 a year now. So if you can think, if we met our filing dates from January 1st to March 1st, having 14,000 people walk into our office within that time frame, we'd be busy as can be. So allowing them to pre-apply helps us and them not to right. forget it. Um, and it helps us spread out that right. amount. Plus we get a lot of, of online files now. Yeah. I think most people like doing it online. Truthfully. Um, they're like, can I just do that online? Can I do, th but that's actually something, uh, us as realtors, we can actually, uh, have them do, like you said, at the closing table, because a lot of this, this all happens after we're already done with the sale and they have, they have lived in their house and they are enjoying their home. And it could be months and months later, uh, that, that this all actually goes into effect, maybe even possibly years later. So, you know, for us at the closing table, okay, congratulations, you're about to get your keys. You've got this dummy deed at this point that's waiting to be recorded. Here's what you need to do. You know, instead of, you know, taking the smiling pictures and saying how great we are as realtors, maybe help them instead with their taxes for the foreseeable future and get that rolling for them, get them um, set up on that app. And, you know, because a lot of them have no idea there is an app. They have no idea how to go onto the property appraiser's website. Whereas, you know, realtors, we go on it daily, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, but if they're going on there and they are seeing how easy it is to find their information and see how easy it is to apply for a homestead exemption or to go ahead and pre-apply for that or whatever, um, that is huge. That's, that's really, as a real estate agent, being a resource for them from now and on into the future. But you actually brought in something that I thought was really interesting. I'm hoping you'll, you'll share some of that as well. And there's an issue going on that I think people need to know about as well. And obviously it's not just me that, that thinks that, uh, you actually have an alert. Well, I don't, okay. I can't well, take you. credit. I can't take credit for that. I'll give credit to Greg Harrell, our, our honorable okay. Greg Harrell, the clerk of the court. Okay. Um, basically what's happening is, and, and down South, you see it quite a bit. Um, one of my colleagues, um, the property appraiser in Broward County, Marty care has an alert system within the property appraiser's office. Um, he started that. Well, what it does is let's say that you're in your husband's name is on a deed mm -hmm. on the property and say you own three properties mm -hmm. and you have them titled the same way. The alert system from the clerk of the court's office, you can go online and you can pull it from that. Um, we'll go in there and it'll, it'll bring you and channel you to the property appraiser's website to get your parcel numbers and get each owner's name that's on that property. What will happen then is if any deed change comes through, it will alert you immediately. So what's happening is right now there, and we're not talking about houses like Marion Oaks or Silver Spring Shores homes. There's homes, million dollar homes in Broward County that people are trying to fraudulently take. They're acting as an owner. They've got fraudulent um, notaries. And they're, they're, the problem is, is 
with, with us, it has to go through the clerk's office first because that's where the deed is recorded. So they are now responsible for this alert system. Um, we base, they do channel it to us to get the information, but then you go back on and you finish your information. So anytime any deed or name change would come through on your property of that parcel number or your name, it's going to alert you. You want to be alerted as soon as possible because if this goes down two weeks or three weeks down the road, it could really cause a title clouding issue that would be a real problem for you to undo. We have actually seen this in our office. To say that this has just happened in Broward, that is not the case. Okay, we are actually seeing it. Now, we, we didn't see it here in, um, you know, for million-dollar properties. We actually found it in uh, Citrus County. There was a whole slew of vacant lots that a foreign person was um, pretending to be the owner of these vacant lots, had a fake ID, uh, and were hiring realtors to actually sell this parcel for them where they weren't the owner. And this was going to title, this was going, it was going through the process because like I said, they had uh, these IDs. The reason we caught it before it went very far at all is because I looked at the IDs. I had two separate agents that it just kind of flagged something for me. So I asked both agents to provide me the ID and it was completely different names, completely different IDs, completely different countries, but the picture was the same. I was like, that's, that's the same picture. That's the same person. So we were able to kill it. And of course, we shared that information with all the title companies and agents and everybody that we could get it out to so that they could not use that again. Uh, but it for a lot of people, if we hadn't had two at the same time, we probably probably would have gotten caught up in that. Uh, there's a lot of real estate companies, title companies and so forth that are getting caught up in this. So to have this alert is fantastic. Even if you just have a vacant parcel that's been in the family and nobody's really doing anything but paying the taxes on it, um, it's still incredibly important to put that on this alert. I definitely would. I would. It, it's just it's a huge deal right now. Yeah. Um, it, it's happening, and, and a lot of times it's not even just foreigners. I mean, they're getting people that, that are doing it, and it's a very elaborate scheme, and they've actually got people in Broward County that actually are retired police officers that are investigating this, and it goes outside of Broward County and goes all the way up the state of the state of Florida's map where they've done the same thing in other counties. So, so they're actually physically walking in. They're not trying to, like, e-sign from another country. They're actually – it's that it's, is – Well, I'm not a woo. criminal, so I don't know how they <laughs> – how they do it, but I mean, That's everybody gets the bold. Yeah, oh, it, that is bold. It, it's insane, but it's happening, and um, it's it's a good step forward to basically alert yourself if there's a name change on your property, and it's if you huge. haven't done a deed, you're going to say, "Wait a second, you know, and get a hold of the clerk of yeah. the court immediately because it's a mess. I mean, identity fraud is already a mess. If you are, have you, if you've ever been hit with identity fraud, that's it's it's a messy, time consuming, expensive thing that can affect you for years. It really is. But to have this same concept as somebody coming in and, and pretending to be you and selling your property, taking the proceeds, and now that has a buyer with a deed that's in the courts as a deed, it, it's a mess. It is a mess. So yeah, I, I am so thrilled that we have something like this. So definitely register it. Um, and uh, they can go ahead and get a hold of, how would they go ahead and, and get this? Um, I will leave you the information. Oh, that'd um, be good. I don't know if you can, you can. Get a hold of me. I will get it to you. If you can post it at the end <laughs> of this will. right here. We we actually made a QR code. My okay. IT department did. Oh, so when fantastic. I'm out speaking, I have this in every one of my presentations to let everybody know. 
kind of helps Greg out too, to get it out there. So the more people that see it, the better off it will be. Um, and more people will sign up for it. I will definitely help with that. We'll go ahead and put it up on uh, WITG on our website there, and we will put it on YouTube uh, so that we can also have it. We'll have it in the uh, in the YouTube video as well so that you guys can all use that. Um, and all, all else fails, um, just Google Marion County Clerk of the Court. You can there you go. get on there and, and yeah. find it and do it. Other thing that's, that's big in Marion County, because we are the horse capital of the world, is agricultural. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that online. That has to have a wet signature um, by the Florida statute. So you have to either send that in or bring it into our office. You cannot file an ag application online. I, that is so interesting. I did not know that. That's wow. So they literally fit all of those, you know, the, the horse farmers have to all come in and actually, actually fill out the document. Yeah, wow. and it's, it's, it's an automatic renewal if it's the same owner, but if there's sales and there's been a lot of sales in them, we, we've probably already got a thousand pre-files wow. um, on that. And we're looking at that as of January 1st. Um, and it's, it's, we don't just have horses. We have cattle. We have pine trees. We have hay. We have row crops. We have, you name it, we've got it. Um, so basically, it's going to be a bona fide commercial use. It's just you can't put one cow out in the middle of your yard and think you're going to get ag. It, it's, <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Um, it's got to be a bona fide commercial use. And you may be asked for leases. You may be asked for income information. You may be asked for all that because ag is an income stream. True. Very true. Yeah, I have heard that before. Oh, well, I'll just put a couple cows and then I'll get the ag exemptions. No, it doesn't work that way. Oh, man. Personal horses for riding. No. Wow. See, I did not know that either, but I'm I'm not going to give tax advice to anybody out there. I'll just say you maybe want to check with the the county on that one. (laughs) And if there's any confusion, I mean, I read a lot of stuff. Somebody will show me, look what look what was on Facebook or look what was on here. And there's people trying to answer people's questions, and they're not right. Yes. Um, and I literally could spend all my nights going on there and writing something on a lot of these. Um, I would I would tell you, please call somebody at our office, um, 352-368-8300, and ask for the proper department that you're dealing with. And we would be more than happy to go over it with you, even the new buyers, because I would rather somebody know what's coming up in the near future as far as tax-wise than not know and be surprised. Yes, you know, 100%. It, I am not the constitutional officer for the tax collector's office. That would be the Honorable George Albright. But tax bills have just gone out. Um, for those that are paying out of pocket and have never done it here before, if you pay within the first 30 days of receiving that tax bill, you get a 4% discount of that total. The next 30 days is 3%. The next 30 days is 2%. The next 30 days will be 1% and then full face value. The other thing that you can do is you can call them 352 368 8200 with the tax collector's office and you can set up quarterly payments that is incredibly helpful that really is uh that was actually one of the questions i wanted to ask you today was you know a lot of people are going i don't have thousands of dollars sitting there or you know especially if they paid cash for their house um, it's not built into their mortgage or whatever they just they don't have it sitting there they don't have thousands of dollars so what can they do um, so that well, the, is one thing. The way the quarterly payment would be, they would base it on what the previous year's taxes would be. Um, and let's say that it was $2,000 last year. So each each quarter would be $500. But let's say that it did go up to $2,200. they are going to make up that $200 extra in the last quarter, you know, right around Christmas and everything else. But that's what they got to do. So this is the other thing, too. I mean, your holidays are falling right around when these tax bills are coming out. You don't want a surprise. No, you, know, you definitely don't want a surprise. So do your homework. Call us. 
do your due diligence. I mean, don't just leave it on your realtor or your closing company or whoever. Um, do it for yourself too. I mean, it, it's one of the largest purchases you'll ever make. Um, and taxes can be high based on that. So you definitely need to check it out before. Well, we uh, we were going to send out a notice to all of the, the buyers that we worked with over the year and remind them to get in there and uh, do their pre-file for their homestead exemption or whatever if they haven't already. Um, but I think I'll wait and go ahead and give them that QR code as well so that they can get Well, we send new owner alert. letters out too. Whenever oh, there's a sale, we send out new owner letters too. Yeah, nobody wants your letters. That has the... <laughs> Yeah, if you may be you may be eligible for homestead, you might want to file. Yeah, it's a uh, nice letter. Open it, okay? It's not junk mail, all right? Yeah, if it says property appraiser, you might. It's not necessarily a bill, okay? It might be a hey, just reminder. Probably want to do this. So yeah, very very helpful information as always. Thank you. Um, now you before we go, you have something that you've been working on since the last time we did this. And you're actually making some headway with that, right? Yeah. Um, actually called the granny flat bill. There we go. Basically, um, and I actually have found myself in this situation, but years and years ago, I did a lot of the training at the, at the property appraiser's office for our field appraisers. Um, I, at one time, I was a review appraiser. Then I was the director of the field department. Um, and I never really kind of liked, I liked the law, but not how it was written. I thought it was unfair. Um, and it's part of the Constitution. Um, but let's say, let's you, use you and your husband. Okay. Um, for an example, you're a married couple. This granny fat law would only deal with your parents or grandparents or his parents or grandparents. They have to be 62 years of age or older. They have to be living in a self-supporting structure on your property, meaning another building, mother-in-law suite, or something that's not just another bedroom. It's got to be a legitimate living area, living quarters for somebody. Um, but it had to be, say, you filed homestead for the first year. You had to do construction or reconstruction and get it the following year. So what would happen is, you know, first year you file homestead. The next year you do this addition, and then you file every year. It's not an automatic renewal like homestead. You have to file every year as long as they're living there, and you get up to a 20% reduction off that area. Um, problem is, let's say that down the road, you can no longer use it. And I find myself in the immediate need and I'm like, well, you know what? Andrea's got one of them. Let me, let me buy hers. I can buy yours. I can house my parents or grandparents in there. My wife's parents or grandparents in there, but I can't get the exemption any longer. Only that one person get that exemption. So you could have two homes side by side that look identical. One's getting the exemption. One can no longer get it. So that's not right. What I'm proposing is number one, with the affordable housing and everything else, if, if you think it'll help with Medicare, it'll help with affordable housing, um, basically. And you can't do like I just did. I built a home because right after I was elected, I ended up in this, hating this law for years, the way it was written. My mom had a stroke. I found her. She's doing good, thank God. Um, but we kept looking for homes and looking for homes, and we could find a 12 by 12 room with a bathroom beside it, which to me wasn't sufficient for my mom, who came yeah. from 16, 1700 square feet of living area. Um, so we sold her property and we built a home. She's got 700 square feet now that is hers, a living room and everything else. So it was built at the same time. When I did it, I only had to pull one permit, one notice of commencement, one set of plans. I locked in at three and a quarter percent. By the time my 18 months was up that I built my home, if I had to do it the next year, look at interest rates now, they're, they're upward almost 8% or 8%. 
then I'd have to go back and build this addition, encumber the whole thing at 8% instead of the 3.25, which means it may be out of my ballpark to be able to afford at that point in time. Right. Or if you find yourself in immediate need, you can't find a listing that a real estate agent has that has a mother-in-law suite on it and buy it and get it. So building it at the same time doesn't qualify. Something that's existing out there that's already got it doesn't qualify. And let's oh, face no. it, if your parents become or grandparents become in a sickly situation where you need to house them now, because you don't want to put them in a nursing home, you don't want to put right. them in any other care, especially with COVID and everything else that was going along around these time periods, you just don't want them in there. Um, and you want to personally keep your eye on them and help them out. Right. You know, you couldn't do it. Right. So um, basically what ends up happening, if anybody's trying to get a bill done, you have to get a house sponsor and a Senate sponsor. So we're working on it up there right now. It didn't get picked up last year. We did get the draft. Hopefully this year it'll get on there, but it's still, even if it gets picked up, there's still another hurdle. It has to go on the ballot because it's part of the constitution. So it's a joint resolution and it would have to take 60% of the voters to pass it. Well, I, I certainly hope that that does actually go into effect because we were in the same boat, my, uh, my mother-in-law in this case, um, we really wanted to have her, she's, she's perfectly capable of, of taking care of herself. It's not that. It's just that we want to be able to check on her. We want to, to be able to bring her groceries. And when she's, you know, several miles out of the way or if she's, you know, down by the villages or something like that, which was a location she was considering, uh, that's that's a lot of time over the course of, you know, a weeks and months and years that we have to take out of our lives when we have kids in school and other stuff. So we're like, you know, we would love to have you know, her on our property and we were looking for that. So, you know, again, there's so many people that are in that same position where they have an ailing family member. And sometimes it's not just a mother-in-law or something like that. It could be, you know, my sister or my brother or something. It, it really is, you know, just basically allowing them some dignity so that they can continue to take care of themselves up to the, um, what they're able to do. Uh, and then you just pick up the slack for them. But it has to be, we got to make it easier on us too. Because see, the way the law hard. is right now, it really does channel you to a certain group of people. It can't be an aunt and uncle. It has yeah, to be a parents or grandparents of the spouses. Wow. So it cannot be anybody other than that. So it's already limited there. Um, it, it's just like the super senior exemption that just passed in Marion County. Have to be 65 years or older. You have to be under a certain amount of income, household income, which is around $35,000 a year. It's a little more than that. Um, but you have to live in that home for 25 years. Yeah, no. And the house crazy. has to be worth $250,000 or less. So I belong to what they call FAPA and PATH. There's two property appraisers associations. One is Florida Association of Property Appraisers. One's Property Appraisers Association of Florida. What we do with FAPA especially is we will look at the language of these new laws that are coming out or be House bills or Senate bills and look at them and say, look, we don't like the wording of this and we think it needs to be changed because it would hurt our constituents, say, in Marion County. Or, and, you know, you get a lot of them that come out of Miami-Dade or different areas like that, which is a whole different ballgame than us. It's almost a different um, country. I'm not joking. It's very different you know, down there. <laughs> a lot of stuff that they deal with down in South Florida and as the further you go south, the higher themselves are, mm -hmm. um, believe it or not. I mean, there, there's some stuff. I mean, it's like talk about California, what they were doing, a little postage stamp place selling for a million dollars. It's, you know, it's crazy. But the other thing is a $250,000 home, if you have somebody living in Woodfields that's been there for decades over the 25-year time period, 
And it might be a single lady that's lost her husband years ago and they're down to under that $35,000 a year. But luckily everything's probably paid off because they've lived there for so long. Um, it's going to be hard in Marion County now with the sales for something to be under 250000 So one of the things they tried to do was trying to get that on the ballot to make it 300000 The problem with that is the further you go south, like I just said, values are higher. Why would you not index that number so we're not going back to the ballots every couple years when markets change? Right. So I would rather see that an index number. It failed. It did not go through last year. Um, but I'm sorry. there's a lot of stuff that, that – Needs some tweaking, especially because it's some, you know, times have changed a little bit. Um, and to me, the granny flat is one of them. Well, that is definitely one of the, the difficulties for any of the laws in Florida is to make them applicable for South Florida, where, you know, uh, a basic home is a million dollars. And Marion County, where our median price is, you know, just under 300000 So it, it's a very, very different, very different um, playing field and yet we're all playing the same game so it's very difficult to do that so I would greatly appreciate all of the effort that you've put into that you know especially since I mean it, it hits us personally and there's a lot of people out there where it's definitely going to affect them and their family and just their ability to care for their loved ones so that's that's huge thank oh, you yeah. and yeah, I mean and like I said I've been here third in May will be 32 years I've been at the property appraisers office. There's parts since I've been elected of stuff I never dealt with. And this is part of it, you know, a bill thing, which I've never done. So this is my first one doing it. So, um, you know, it's an uphill battle, but I'm willing to take that uphill stance and try to get it done if we can. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's it. Thank you so much for coming in. I greatly appreciate it. I love how much I learn every time you come in here and we will definitely help get that information for the alerts out to everyone. I promise. And we'll go from there. I definitely appreciate you having me. I mean, the more if, if one person takes away from this right here and is able to help other people, that's a good thing because we, we definitely want people to be knowledgeable of what they're doing, especially the biggest purchase they ever do is probably their house. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if, if you guys are listening out there, hopefully more than one, please share the information to uh, friends and family so that they can also get uh, those alerts as well, because it is something that I have personally seen even here in our office. So please, please, please share, share, share. All right. Thanks so much. You've been listening to What's Up Ocala? Follow us all week on Andrea Praber's YouTube channel and TikTok. We'll see you next week at 10 a.m. on What's Up Ocala.